This is episode 150 of the Swallow Your Pride podcast, and today's guest is Jenna Castro-Casbon. She is a private practice consultant who has helped over 10,000 speech-language pathologists start and grow their own private practices through her company, The Independent Clinician. She has written articles for the ASHA Leader and has presented at ASHA Connect. You will find her online in the SLP Private Practice Beginners Facebook group and in her premium programs, the Start Your Private Practice System and the Grow Your Private Practice Coaching System. You can hear her weekly on the Private Practice Success Stories podcast. Jenna lives in Boston, Massachusetts and is a wife and mama to two young boys. And I hope you guys love this episode. I love this episode. (laughs) Uh, It's about everything that I love and wanted to put this out for episode 150, which is crazy that we've made it this far, but to celebrate getting to episode 150, you'll notice that we did a little bit of a rebranding. So the intro and the outro are different and updated. And thanks to our wonderful, wonderful podcast manager, Marissa Hendrickson for getting all that together for us. And you'll notice that the album art is different as well. So I hope you guys enjoy that. And we are also gearing up for within the next few weeks, we should hit 2 million downloads of Swallow Your Pride podcast. It makes me want to vomit just thinking of that. But <laughs> thank you so, so much to every single person who has supported this podcast. And we are going to be doing a huge, huge giveaway over on Instagram. Um, I'll give you some more details soon. But if you follow me on Instagram, Teresa Richard SLP, you'll be able to hear all about that that should be in the next few weeks as soon as we hit 2 million downloads so go ahead and download every episode that you have been wanting to so we can get there faster so (laughs) i hope you all love this episode again thank you times a million for all of your support for listening for all the guests that have been on these episodes and have helped to keep this thing going and i know we're all just so passionate about this field that we love and the patients we love and i can't thank you all enough so hope you enjoy this conversation with jenna to the Swallow Your Pride podcast. I'm your host, Teresa Richard. I'm a board-certified specialist in swallowing and swallowing disorders, a mobile fees business owner, and founder of the MedSLP Collective. This podcast is all about delivering the latest evidence-based practice to medical SLPs everywhere. Whether you're a new clinician seeking tangible tools for treatment or a seasoned vet stuck in a rut, my goal is to help ditch the old-school ways of the past that no longer serve you or your patients, to reinvigorate your passion for our field, to broaden your knowledge about our scope of practice, and to inspire you to practice at the top of your license. So if you're listening, I encourage you to swallow your pride, be open and willing to learn, because let's face it, your patients deserve that kind of care. With that, let's dive right in. Just a quick disclaimer that all statements and opinions expressed in this episode do not reflect on the organizations associated with the speakers and are their own opinions solely. Hello, Jenna. Hello. How's it going, Teresa? Wonderful. Thank you so much for joining me tonight. I'm so happy to be here and so happy to be finally being on each other's podcasts. I know. That was my normal formal intro, but yay. Oh my gosh, we're here. Okay. So we've been talking about doing this for years and years and years now, and it's actually the third anniversary of Swallow Your Pride. So we figured it would be the perfect time. We actually didn't know this ahead of time. I just realized it. But it'd be the perfect time to do a dual episode. So you guys will be hearing this episode on both of our podcasts. Well, and that's fun too, right? Because so you have done three years of it. And I actually have no idea when my anniversary is. <laughs> yes. But I am coming up on my 100th episode. Yay! Awesome. So, so that's a milestone. Yes. 
That's a huge milestone. Yeah. And we're both like just really cool voices for the SLP community who want more information about medical stuff, about business stuff. And so it's really fun for us to be able to get together and have more people hear our voices. Yeah. All right. So tell the people a little bit about yourself, Jenna. Okay. So my name is Jenna Castro-Casbon. I'm a speech pathologist and I started my own private practice back in 2006. And I practiced for a couple of years before I started teaching other people to do it. And so around 2008, I had a whole bunch of friends who kept asking me, like, what is this private practice thing that you're doing? And so they were curious and interested. And I thought, well, if they're interested, probably like more people might be interested. And so uh, I started, I wrote an ebook way back in the day when ebooks were like yes. the thing. The cool. They were kind of cool back now. Now they're kind of annoying. But anyway, <laughs> um, I started teaching other people how to start and grow their private practices. And so I've been doing that since 2008 and I've taught over 10,000 SLPs. Holy bananas. Practices. Yeah. So I love it. They love it. It all works out pretty well. Awesome. Well, that's like so funny because I can, I have pretty much the exact same background in that I decided, you know, I, I, was working in skilled nursing facilities and I got exposed to having mobile fees and I just loved it. I, I loved everything about it. And then my husband took a job out in Las Vegas. We moved out there and I just told him I'm going to find a mobile fees company to work for. And it didn't exist. So that's when I started my own. Um, so after doing that for a few years, exactly like you said, I had so many friends that were like, how did you get this started? How did you get this going? So finally, I think it was like maybe three years later, I put together, I did an online course of teaching them how to start their own mobile fees business. Yeah. And then from there, yeah. Well, it's great to take, you know, information that you have been successful with and then just get it out there for more people to be able to use. So whether it's, you know, some more business focused things, whether it's research, whether it's whatever, if you have experiences with yourself, with clients, with, you know, patients, whomever, we want people to be exposed to good information. Right. So I have a question for you, which yeah. is well, you, you mentioned that you moved out to Las Vegas and you were hoping to work for another company. Before that happened, did you think about starting your own business at all? Not at all. It was really something I never had envisioned. Like I just told my husband, I'm going to, you know, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to find a mobile fees company and that's who I'm going to work for. And then we got out there and it just didn't exist. So I had, I had been dead set on that was what I was going to do. So I needed to somehow figure out how I was still going to do it. So I just told him, I'm, I think I'm going to start this company. And at the time that year, actually, you know, so I kind of figured out what the investment would be to get this whole thing off the ground. And what we realized the investment for me to start the mobile fees business was more money than he was making that entire year. And he was like, it's up to you. If you really feel this strongly about this, it's on you. And I was like, I do. And I'm going to make it work and it's going to be successful. And here we are. And here you are. Right. So that drive though, like to, to see like, Hey, because if there wasn't a company that you could work for, does that mean that there just wasn't, weren't companies out in Vegas servicing people? Correct. That, that's exactly it. So that's what I, I started calling around and 
you know, I'm like, do you guys even, and the kind of the answers I got were no, oh my gosh, I didn't even know that type of service existed. That would be wonderful to things like, I had no idea like that that could even happen here. Like no one's ever even thought of that before. And I'm just, I've always just been such an odd duck in that like, I don't see problems, I see solutions. So I was like, oh, okay, you didn't know it existed? Well, I'm gonna make it exist. Yeah. Well, and I think that that's just one of those things that, you know, is part of how business works, right? That successful businesses are able to spot gaps in the marketplace, right? So if there was a need and nobody to fill it, why not you? Yep. Yep. Right? That's exactly it. That's what I tell everybody. And had that not happened, like, would all of this other stuff that you've been up to happen? I don't think so. I think that honestly was, I just remember... And I don't know if this is good advice, but I'll share it anyways. I just remember like being so perpetually scared for like the first nine, 10 months of that, like designing your website, like, oh my God, what if I say the wrong thing? Or like printing out pamphlets to drop off, like what if the font's wrong? But like, I don't remember who told me, someone just told me done is better than perfect. And that, that motto has served me so well because I would spend like 10, 15 minutes on something and then be like, done is better than perfect. It's I'm putting it out in the world. And I just remember being like, just I'd, I'd go to these facilities, I'd meet with administrators, I'd meet with SLPs that had 30 years of experience, but had never heard of fees. Like, and I just remember being, I, I really just remember like sweating a smell I had never smelled before. Like I was so scared and, and yeah, but that just built up my scared muscle, I guess because it felt like almost after I got a few contracts and then I saw how incredible it was for the patients and also the facilities, like that just gives you that drive to not be scared anymore, to know that like you're offering a service that is helping so many people that there's nothing to be afraid of. Yeah. Well, and when you let fear stop you, then you can't serve people. Right. Right. I mean, you are literally doing a disservice right. to stay stuck in that fear mode and whether it's fear of making a mistake, fear of, you know, judgment from others, you know, people have all kinds of different things that stop them. But I mean, I think one of the things that, that you said that I also feel is that when you figure out what is holding you back and what that fear is based on, you have a choice. You can either stay stuck and not move past it, or you can find the quickest way to get around it and move forward. And I think that that's one of the things that has helped, you know, me in my practice and in me in business is just to say, okay, what is holding me back and push right through that as quickly as possible. And so that's one of the things that I tell SLPs. SLPs are notorious. Raise your hand if this is you that I'm talking to. (laughs) for being stuck in analysis paralysis because there's, you know, people get stuck Well, there's so many options and just what you said about the font size and what if you wrote the wrong thing on the website, like Teresa, and again, anybody listening, what if you had allowed that to keep you from serving these, this patient population, you know, serving the centers and facilities that you were doing because you couldn't figure out what font to use. Right. So silly. It's so silly, but people do it all the time. Right. Right. I think, I think what's so fascinating about this year, about 2020, you know, 
And, and, and I can't wait to hear how people end up describing this year, like five years from now. But I think for so many people, it's almost been a year of rock bottom that there's no place to go but up. And I've talked to so many people that are like, I've contemplated doing this. I've contemplated starting my own business. I've contemplated starting my own private practice. I got laid off. Like I, you know, got let go. I got furloughed. There is nothing else for me to do at this point, but work for myself and start my own thing. And I, 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 like I said, I'm such a silver lining solutions person that I just love that people are, we're fighting back against 2020 and we're going to win it. <laughs> yes. We're gonna win. Yeah. And I was thinking about that earlier. I was talking to, to someone, when, one of my groups about how, you know, we used to think that this profession was just so rock solid, mm-hmm. that, you know, SLPs never get laid off, right? Job stability is one of the main reasons why people choose this profession. And then all of a sudden people didn't have that. Mm-hmm. Right. And you mentioned, you know, layoffs, furloughs, people's hours getting cut or, you know, people just already maybe in working conditions that they didn't love. All of a sudden, either things were really bad or even unsafe for people. Right. And like one of the things I tell people all the time is there's really no perfect time to start a private practice. But interestingly enough, this actually is a really good time, just as you mentioned, because a we're kind of at this rock bottom place, like might as well, if you're going to do it, might as well do it. But there's also people who are going without services right now, right? Either without services altogether or, you know, substandard services, not getting what they want or what they need. And then we have this whole population of SLPs who are available, willing, have the expertise to do it. So what a perfect time to start a business to fill that gap, right? Earlier when we're talking about, you know, your experience in Las Vegas and starting your mobile fees, you filled a gap. So there are gaps to be filled right now where there are people in your community who desperately want private therapy services. And, you know, why not you, listeners? Why not you fill that? Yep. And I'm going to piggyback off that. And that's how it is with mobile fees right now, too. Yeah. <laughs> Only because, you know, nobody wants to send their healthy patients to a hospital for a, any sort of swallow study. So anything we can do in the facility to help keep them in there is the best. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I was thinking, um, so one of the things that, you know, and I think you're probably kind of the same way. You mentioned that when you got started with your mobile fees business that you had to invest quite a lot. Mm-hmm to get there, right? And that was really because of the equipment, right? In order to do mobile fees, yep. you need the equipment. You need fees. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah. There's like no way. <laughs> right. No, there's not. <laughs> and so that's one way to start a business, right? One way is to have all of the things you need. And in your case, you, li- you literally needed those things, right? But one of the things that's a little bit different or can be different in private practice is that you don't necessarily need all of the bells and whistles to start. So one of the things that, you know, I talk about a lot on on my podcast and, you know, on Instagram and in my paid programs is that you can actually get started for very inexpensively, right? So like you need liability insurance, depending on what town you live in, you need a business license, you need a system for documentation, but all of that, rather than costing the thousands and thousands of dollars that people think you know, people tell me all the time, well, don't you need $5,000 to get started or $10,000? I'm like, 
No, you don't. You know, if you start with just the things you need, it costs about $150, right? Like literally $150 to start a business. Most other businesses, you have to do like the other model of investing either in inventory or in space or in all those kind of other things, right? So you can have all those things. You can have the brick and mortar private practice with the the waiting room and the aquarium and the you know, highlights <laughs> magazine, right? but you don't have to start that way, right? So I think for all of the people who may be listening who are thinking like, oh wow, Jenna said it's a good time to start a private practice, but like money's tight right now, you know, I can't afford it. So I also want people to know that you can start in this very lean startup, not a lot of investment costs, and roll your your income back into your business, and then you can buy the assessments. Then you can buy the super cute bookcase and materials from whatever, you know, company you want, right? But you don't have to start that way. So one of the things I talk about on my podcast, um, Private Practice Success Stories podcast, look it up on iTunes, but is that there's just lots of ways to have a private practice. And there's no such thing as a perfect private practice, only one that's perfect for you. So, think about if you're thinking about starting a practice, what do you want that to look like? And how can you design a practice around your life versus what people tend to do, which is like have their business kind of take over their lives. So if you are mindful of that from the beginning, and if it has gotten out of control, you kind of recognize that and try to figure out how to pull back I think that's too where the opportunity is, where people are thinking like, this is nuts, COVID is crazy. I have no, you know, work-life balance at all. Like you can either stay that way, that's part of that staying stuck, or you can make a plan to change it. So talk to me a little bit more about that, Jenna, because I I think so many people, like you said, you, you have to have the brick and mortar with the aquarium and the highlight subscription, but you don't. And, and so talk to me about what that looks like. I think every time I talk to people and I'm like, well, but you don't need to, you know, to rent a space right away. They're like, well, what? Like, how do I do it then? So talk a little bit more about, about the model that you recommend. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the, the ways that I guess that I recommend people get started again is this lean model, debt-free model where you're not investing in these big ticket items up front. So having a brick and mortar space, it cost varies according to where you live you know, geographically, but it can, you know, be at a minimum, like about 500 or so up to, you know, 5,000 plus, depending on how much space you need. So the, the better version, I think when you're first getting started and you're really watching your money is to either start in clients' homes, right? To actually go physically to either their house or their location. I used to talk about community locations, but also COVID has kind of messed that up. And and or seeing people out of your house, you kind of have to check with the the homeowners association in your town and whatnot to make sure that zoning is okay with that. But often seeing people in their home is a great way to to get started. Another thing that people don't tend to know about and are like surprised is that you can start a private practice earlier than maybe you thought, right? There's also this misconception that you have to wait until you have, until you're an expert or until you have, you know, 20 plus years of experience. And, you know, you certainly can wait 
to become an expert, but like you're, because we're XLPs and we're perfectionists, you might be waiting for a really long time. Right. Yes. And like, what is an expert? One day someone decides like, oh, you're now officially an expert, right? Like some people have, right. Teresa has a board certification. So someone has deemed her an expert. Right. But newsflash, I started it before I got board certified. So yeah, see there. you go. So I also recommend that you basically, instead of waiting to become an expert, you become an expert as you're building your private practice. So people can get started much earlier than they think. And again, part of those early expenses might be investing in trainings or you know, investing in more continuing education, mentorship, et cetera. But when you have a business, then that's also a tax deductible expense and your company can pay for that, and you can then market those services to bring in more clients, which is different than if you're at your regular job and maybe your company reimburses you, you know, some pitiful amount, like, you know, $200 a year or something, whatever your allotment is, but you want to do something that's like 700, well, then you're paying out of pocket for it, and there's really not a lot of opportunity, you know, to earn money from that. So that's another thing that I think is really important for people to know is you don't have to invest a lot of money up front and you also don't have to wait years and years and years to get started. Yeah. I love that. And I, I love, like I said, I love everything that you said. And I think for me, you know, of course that first year when I first started was like, what am I doing? Like, am I, you know, imposter syndrome steps up, you know, imposter syndrome comes into play for everybody at some point, but what it did for me was it drove me to seek out way more advanced training than I ever even could see myself doing before. So it was like, if I'm going to start this business, like I better know this stuff, like I better know this stuff. I better know this stuff. I better, you know, they're looking to me for answers and they're looking to me to guide them clinically. So yeah, it really just drove me to seek out that type of training and mentorship. Yeah. And then the cool thing to, to bounce it back to you for a second is that then you, you acquired that knowledge in the beginning, and then you have now turned around and become someone who delivers some of that knowledge, which I think is really, really a cool shift in terms of, you know, you can start your, your private practice or your business one way, and then you can reinvent yourself and do something different. And I think you're a great example of someone who's done that. I just, I, every year, I, I re, like I kind of did like a seven year look back of like what my careers look like. And every year there's been a big reinvention of something. Like I've started something new and it's not, I don't know. It's not that I get bored with the old stuff because I still do have everything. It's almost like an evolution of, okay, what's next? Like what need can I fill next? And it's just a creative outlet for me that I just have to fill. Yeah. And so I think, I think that's important for people to, to think too, is that, you know, I heard this quote one time that I'm going to not remember who said it, but something to the degree of you're under no obligation to be the same person that you were five minutes ago. Yep. Yep. Right. Yep. So like, just because you have this identity of I am a school SLP doesn't mean that you can't have a new identity, which is... I'm a private practitioner or I'm a business owner. And I think that a lot of times people get stuck in that, like, but I'm just SLP or I'm just a school SLP or, 
or whatever and forget that you can take on new identities throughout your life, right? Both, both Teresa and I are, are parents, right? We're moms. And I didn't have the identity of mother until our first child was born, right? But I very happily took on that new identity and I never thought, well, oh, I'm just a single person. I don't know how I feel about this mom thing, right? And so I think that we can, you know, we tend to feel like SLPs are helping people, people, who are, you know, driven by helping. And even though we might be frustrated with our jobs, you know, we do it for the kids or, you know, we do it for our patients. But at some point, you also might want to think about that you can be a helping people person and a business person. It doesn't have to be either or. And in fact, you can be a much better business person if you start off, you know, with your heart and in the right place and being that, helping people person who happens to then run a heart focused business, but you also have to think about your money, right? Like your main driver might not be to make money, but if you're going to have a business, it does have to be one of the core values of your company. Right. And I feel like SLPs get a little bit lost in there. Sometimes, you know, the people feel bad, for charging people money, or they, they say things like, well, I love this so much, I would do it for free. But the truth is that you have done it for free, right? You've done it for free every year that you've gone without a raise or a bonus, every time you've worked late, worked on weekends, bought materials that you weren't reimbursed for. And at some point, you have to make a decision. Is that is, is that okay for you? Like, do you feel like, no, it's, it's fine? Or at some point, do you start to realize, you know what, that's, that was fine maybe, but it's not okay anymore. And now I really want to earn what I'm worth and have this life that I'm in more control of than, you know, having other people assign my caseload, give you however, you know, productivity requirements and whatnot. You know, at some point, if the pain of staying stuck, you know, it becomes too great, that's when people decide that they might want to leave and start a private practice. And one of the other misconceptions that sometimes happens is that people think that you have to be like full-time in private practice, that, you know, there's, it's either, it's either or, right? But one of the things that I also teach people to do is to start private practices on the side of their regular job so that you can, A, make sure you like it. It's like, what if you quit and didn't? But we want you to build your confidence and your caseload and your income before you leap or jump into private practice. And I think that's another thing that sometimes people don't know is an option. Just like people think that you have to have a brick and mortar, a lot of people think that you have to have quit your job to have a private practice. And that's usually not true. There are some situations where people maybe have non-compete clauses or different things going on. If you have those things, you know, honor those things. I'm one of those honesty is the best policy kinds of people. Being upfront with people is really the way to go. But for most people, you can have a private practice where you see clients after work, on the weekends, if you're a school SLP during the summer, and build up, you know, Teresa talked about, you talked about your fear muscle, right? So you want to like build up that private practice muscle before you decide to go 
head first into it. Yeah. Yeah. I want to go back a little bit because you, you really hit on something that really strikes a chord for me. And it's, it's the conflict, the inner conflict of being a helping person and charging money for your services. And what, what it comes down to for me is like you said, you know, I would do this for free, but how many times do you hear, you know, you can't pour from an empty cup. And what I strive so hard to do is to teach people how to create a profitable and sustainable business. Because if you're not, if your business is not making money, you're not going to stay in business. And if you're not staying in business, who are you helping? No one. So for me, it's, it's really important to teach SLPs that you need to charge what you're worth for starters, because you need your business to sustain itself to be able to help the patients that you want to help. But the other side of that too, and, and another thing that I think is so important is your own career fulfillment and self-worth. And if you constantly, you know, I'm going to go back to the, the keep pouring from an empty cup, but if you're constantly pouring from an empty cup and feel like you're working so many hours and you're not getting paid adequately, you're going to resent that job. You're going to resent that business that you created. You're going to want to burn it to the ground. And so it's important to, to charge your worth so that you feel fulfilled, so that you can provide for your family or, you know, what, what do we all work for? We work because we love it, but we work to put food on our table for our children or our families or, or our loved ones. So I, I think you know, I always, you know, in some of my programs too, I make people take like, let's take the 10,000 foot view here. Like, let's take a step back and look at the big picture. Like, why do you work? What are you passionate about? You know, what is your driver? I mean, for me, it's, I have a son with special needs and he is the main driver of everything that I do. And we have to pay privately for tons of services and things like that. So, you know, I have to be able to have a job that allows me to do that. So I think that that's as much as people want to say career and personal life are separate. They're not, they're totally intertwined. If you're, you know, miserable at work, you're going to come home and kick your dog and yell at your spouse. And that is what it is. But if you're happy, if you're fulfilled, if you feel like you're making a difference in the world, you feel like you're being, you know, paid what you're worth, you're charging what you're worth, then it all, it's, it's all just one big circle of life. So. Yeah. And you used a very important F word, not the F word, but. Um, <laughs> oh gosh, did I drop it? <laughs> explicitly rated podcast. Um, but, you know, I, I talk a lot about, you know, in, in my program, um, and on Instagram and everywhere else, I talk about like, I used to talk about the three F's and that the reason why speech therapists started private practices was for freedom, flexibility, and fulfillment. So that freedom to be your own boss, the flexibility of having control over your schedule and of your life, and that fulfillment of being able to do, you know, what's in the best interest of your clients, patients, kids, whoever. And so, you know, freedom, flexibility, and fulfillment. And I posted this one day on Instagram and um, Ruth Price, who had been on my podcast, she's a private practitioner out in California. And she wrote in the comments, Jenna, you forgot one of the Fs. And I was like, what is it? (laughs) And she's like, finances. I was like, oh, duh. Like that does have to be part of this whole thing. So now I talk about the four Fs. And I asked um, this, my students in the Start Your Private Practice program, and I like a poll, right? 
And I said at the very top in all capital letters, be honest. Like what has driven you to start your private practice? Is it freedom, flexibility, fulfillment, or finances? And by a landslide, finances won. And that was not something I had really been talking about because, you know, I also thought, you know, the SLPs were uncomfortable talking about money and everyone just wanted to, you know, be happy and fulfilled and flexible schedule to spend more time with their kids and everything else. And I started realizing that SLPs need to hear more about the financial aspects of starting a private practice. And so, you know, don't, I don't talk about money all the time now, but I do talk about it more because I think that not enough people are talking about it. And I think that also people need to hear that it's okay to talk about and that it's okay to want to create a business that will support your life, right? People, I did a poll in my SLP private practice beginners Facebook group the other day about how much student loan debt people have, right? And, you know, a solid number of people had been able to pay it off so far, so so good for them, but there's a lot of people who have a lot of loans. So, or, you know, they have kids or they have, you know, um, kids that they're saving for college or weddings or any number of things. So why not use some of that private practice income to pay for those things, right? Versus waiting and starting a private practice, you know, someday, like, do you want to earn more money now or later? Because if you want to earn more money later, like, again, you might be waiting a long time, or you could make a choice and see a couple private clients on the side and earn more money now in less hours a week, and then use that money to be rolled forward into paying off debt faster, saving up, buying a car that you like and are proud of and that runs well, or, you know, investing in your kids or whatever. Yep. And rant. Yes. I love it. I love it. I could rant about that any day. And I think you know, kind of going back a little bit more, something else I wanted to talk about too is in flexing your fear muscle is that the, the word judgment. And I think I, I'm trying to remember who had, I think it was our, um, Jenna and I both did a program with kind of a mindset coach, Jim Fortin. And I think one thing that he said was, ah, I'm going to botch how I say this, Jenna, but something like people are going to judge you no matter what you do. So you might, you might as well do something that, that is fulfilling to you. Or I can't even think of how he worded it, but I always think of that because I think that's one big thing that stops people from starting their own private practice or their own business is like, oh gosh, well, what's my mother going to think of me? Or what's, you know, my friend's going to think of me or, you know, these other people are going to judge me. And I just, I'm one of those people that just comes from like an abundance mindset that there's room for everybody. There's more patients in the world, unfortunately, that any of us can get to in a lifetime. But I just want to kind of put out there that, you're going to get judged, so you might as well do it anyways. Yeah. And if you if you hold back from being judged, then you're also not sharing your gifts with the world, right? One of the things that I held back on a long time was doing video, right? I'm a little bit overweight, and I've just been like... Friggin' video. <laughs> yeah. right? I think there's probably a lot of people who are listening who can identify with that. Yeah. Well, if I decide... I don't want to be on video because I don't like how my body looks right now. Then think of all that knowledge about starting a private practice, being a business owner, 
taking on a new identity that I wouldn't be sharing with people who really need to hear that information, right? So it's my job to get over that and to say, you know what, Jenna, either go to the gym or don't, but get on, get on video, get your message out to the world because there are people who need to hear that. But I think that fear of judgment does stop. I mean, a lot of people, a lot of women, a lot of SLPs, but you'll also never be judged by people who are doing more than you. Yes. Right. Yep. So someone else said that I didn't say that that's somebody else, yep. but, but yeah, Teresa and I have been in a couple of similar business programs and um, I think it's important to, again, take lessons from people who have made the kind of moves that you want to make, done the kind of things that you want to do or aspire to do and, and see people and say like, oh, it can be done, right? If other people can do it, then you can do it too. Yep. And, and for me, that's part of the whole reason why I do the Private Practice Success Stories podcast is I interview SLPs from around the U.S. and a handful international who have started private practices that work for them, work for their families, work for their clinical interests, for the needs of their local community. And everyone's private practice looks very, very different. But how cool is that, right? That they started as just a regular scared SLP who didn't have a business background either, but had a dream and decided to turn that dream into a reality and are now filling that void that we opened up our conversation tonight talking about in their community and serving their community in a way that feels good to them clinically and is also financially rewarding. And I think that's, that's what we all aspire to do, but not everybody does it for the reasons that we talked about. Yep. I love it. I love it too. We could talk about this all night. We could. Um, okay. So what would you say, if you have any uh, final words, Teresa, for people who are thinking about starting a private practice, oh, starting is, a business, yeah. what advice would you give people who are listening, who are like, wow, they've really kind of inspired me, but... Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting you ask me this question because I was literally thinking of this tonight as I was driving home. Because um, like I said, um, we realized today was the three-year anniversary of the Swallow Your Pride podcast. And I was like, oh my God, if I could have even imagined what this podcast would have looked like three years ago when I was first starting it, the opportunities that it's brought me, the amazing people that I've met through it, how my business has evolved because of it. Like I never, I don't think I could have ever dreamed what my career would look like at this point, but what, I, what I've always just, what served me well is every time I have an idea or I have a vision and I, I get excited about it and I find other people that, you know, I, I have a close group of friends that, you know, are encouraging like, oh, I think there's such a need for that. Then I do it. You just do it because the worst that can happen is it doesn't work out. The best that can happen is it leads you to an unknown place, an amazing place where your career just takes off and skyrockets. And I think so many people just have these limiting beliefs. They have these stories that they tell themselves about why they can't do things. And it's one thing that I just, I always just tell myself is kind of when, if I get negative into like a downward spiral, change your story, you know, just change your story, but there absolutely can be positives to it. So 
I think just always taking that first step because you never, ever know where it's going to lead and done is always better than perfect. Those are my, yeah. So if you're thinking of starting a private practice, just start it because you know what? You can always close it down if you hate it, but I'm pretty sure you won't. Yeah. I actually bought like a just do it shirt from Nike (laughs) in my webinars, my groups, whatever. I just always tell people, you know, just do it because even if something doesn't go as well as you thought, or if something, you know, if you make a mistake, that was air quotes for people listening, you know, (laughs) it's a learning experience. You will make mistakes, right? Like, hopefully you won't make like super big mistakes, but like you will probably make a billing error. And guess what? You can resubmit it. Yep. If you make a billing error, you are not off to SLP jail. Right. You are not losing your license. You, you can, I mean, I mean, maybe you could, right? Don't make a big error. But if you code something wrong, yeah, you resubmit it, right? So all of those little things that people think, well, but what if I fail? To Teresa's point, what if you succeed? Mm-hmm. And what if your idea comes to fruition and it's either the same idea that you had or it's something different, maybe even something better. But what's the vision if you stay in your current circumstance? Because in most of our settings, there's not a lot of either upward mobility or, you know, you just kind of are a staff SLP for forever. And some people are just fine with that. There's plenty of people out there who my wife is one of these people. She doesn't understand all this business stuff that I do at all. She's a physical therapist, does early intervention. She is very happy to be a staff PT, come home at night and watch, you know, television and whatnot. And that's fine. That's how she relaxes. No judgment. But there's other people who, like Teresa and I, see opportunities and say, how can we better those around us? And yes, also better our own lives by creating businesses and opportunities that will help everybody, right? So I know you are listening to this and you want to help everybody. This is just a different way to do it. Yeah. I want to I talk really quick, Jenna, about niching down because that's something like I'm super passionate about and I know you're super passionate about too. And I think I can probably name on like one hand SLPs that are phenomenal generalists. And I, like I said, I probably know five of them and that's great for them. But I think the reality for most of us is that it's very hard to be super knowledgeable in everything that we're expected to know in SLP land but on, and also on the flip side of that, if you have a patient that has a specific need or a specific condition, they're going to be looking for someone that treats that specific condition. You know, and I think of, you know, Dr. Eric Blicker explained this to me before. You think of like an, an ENT, an ear, nose, and throat doctor. Do you want to go to an ear, nose, and throat doctor? Do you want to go to an ear, nose, and throat doctor? Or do you want to go to an ear, nose, and throat doctor? If you broke your nose, do you want to go to someone that's board certified in throats? You know, so I think we have to, it's, it's so good for you, but also even easier to be found by your patients and your clients if you can specialize in something. Totally. Yeah. When I was first getting started, I made these flyers 
and I like literally went to the ASHA website where there was a sort of list of all the diagnoses that we treated. And I copied down on my flyer every diagnosis that I felt comfortable yep. doing. Yep. It was like mostly adult neuro stuff, probably swallowing was on there, pediatric feeding. I don't even know. It was a laundry list of stuff. And I sent these flyers out to about 100 doctors, specialists, you know, whatever people. I didn't get one call. <laughs> and I was like, but didn't they see all the things I can do? Which also was like so naive because I was such a generalist and like I knew a little bit about all of those things, but certainly not a lot about it. But I'm sure that people saw that and they thought like, wow, but my husband has, you know, uh, Lewy body dementia. Right. Like I don't want somebody who can do pediatric swallowing and hearing loss and blah, blah, blah. Right. To help him. I want the person who does the specific thing. Right. So in the beginning of private practice, I think it's totally fine to work with populations that you feel comfortable with. And it can be kids, adults, everybody in between. Again, because you want to build that caseload, you want to build your confidence and you want some money coming in. But at some point, you either, you, I think that you have two choices here. Either you can become a big brick and mortar clinic where you are a more generalist clinic, but you have people hired to do specific niches, right? So you have like the language person, you have the fluency person, you have the feeding specialist, you know, all under one roof. Or if you want to really be a little bit more of a solo provider or, you know, have a clinic that is kind of based on you, you do at some point need to have more of a niche so that you can get that name recognition so that you can, I use the term a lot, become the one. You can become the one that people refer to so that when they're, you know, having a conversation with their pediatrician and someone says, oh, you know, little Johnny is having this problem, the physician or the referral specialist or whomever is like, oh, you have to go see this person. Right. And if you get enough people who say, you have to go see yep. Lauren, all of a sudden, that is how your private practice grows. You know, people talk about how they want word of mouth. Oh, I want word of mouth. How do I get word of mouth? Well, you have to give people something to talk about yep. positively. Yes. <laughs> get those word of mouth referrals. So you can't just drop off some business cards at a doctor's office and like dash back out to your car and think that somehow that's going to get you these word of mouth referrals that everybody is after. Like you have to put yourself out there. You have to become known for something and you have to have people talking to other people about what a great experience that they had with you, that their child had with you, their husband, their wife, whomever. That's how you build those word of mouth referrals, right? You have to get the word out and you have to get other people talking about you. Yep. Yep. I know we have a, a mutual friend that has gone through bo both of our programs. And I, I knew when she was first starting this, I knew which areas she was super passionate about and incredibly smart in. And I remembered I asked her, you know, she's like, I'm going to start this private practice. I'm going to do this this year. I was like, okay, so what are you going to specialize in? She's like, well, I'm not going to specialize. I'm just, I'm going to just see anybody. And I was like, okay, no, let's start again. What are you going to specialize in? 
She's like, well, I don't know. And I'm like, and I know full well that she was super passionate about adults, did not want to work with kids. And I was like, okay, help me out here. Adults are kids. And she was like, okay, well, I, I, I guess I, you know, I'm passionate about adults. And I'm like, okay, what conditions are you going to treat? And she's like, well, I can do anything, you know, I can do it all. And I'm like, okay, what are you passionate about? And it was like just pulling teeth to get her to finally admit, you know, she's so passionate about aphasia and that is what she wanted to specialize in. And I know how dang smart she is in that too. And I think finally just getting her to realize that it's so much more beneficial for her because now even seeing how much knowledge she's acquired beyond her already being smart at that, she's just poured herself into learning everything there is to know about aphasia and all the latest treatment models and everything that's she's she's the one like you said and there's these aphasia support groups oh you need to go see this person you know she's the best person for this and i think she's the best example of someone that was so scared to specialize like she just wanted to help anyone she just wanted to get her practice going and i just that's one thing i can't stress enough to people is you really yeah you want to specialize so well and i think I think at the beginning, we talked about abundance mindsets. And so the, the flip side of that is scarcity mindset, right? And from that, from that idea, I think a lot of people are scared to specialize because they're worried about letting people go by. Yep. They're worried about saying no to somebody. They're worried about turning down the business because they need the income or because they need the practice or, you know, whatever the case may be. Yep. So you can, that's how people, like, I think clinics get these huge wait lists, right? Or people list because of this scarcity mindset of like, well, I need to hoard all the clients yep. for myself and whatnot versus saying, you know what? I will, I'll wait for the best clients that I work with, the people who really allow me to do my best work and that, you know, light me up the most and that I am, you know, have this clinical expertise because I'm obsessed with their, you know, diagnosis or disorder or whatever. And so, that's again how you become like the big fish in the small pond and you get all of those referrals so it's a little bit of a longer game in the beginning to to get to that level but the faster that you can get to that level the more successful that you will ultimately be versus always kind of just saying yes to people and then and then what happens then it's just like your regular job where you get these regular people put on or you know diagnosis that you don't you know, care as much about or don't know as much about, put on your caseload. So then you're back to having recreated a situation that you maybe didn't really like and tried to get out of. And now you've repeated that same pattern in your own business where you had control over not doing that, yeah. right? Teresa, I do have lots of feelings about this. But, but rest assured, if you're listening, you can start out as a generalist, but at some point, you're going to want to start to specialize as soon as you really start to, you know, get your feet wet and feel like this is ready and you're ready to start taking off. Yep. I love it. Anything else? Any final thoughts? Did we solve all the world's problems in an hour? Yeah, I know. I mean, I think that, you know, Teresa's advice of just do it, I think is important. I think that now again, is still a great time to start a business. It's still a great time to start a private practice, private, successful private practices don't build themselves. Like you need to know what you're doing. You need help. Um, but you also just need to commit to doing it and saying, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to give this a go. I'm going to know that I'm going to make mistakes, 
but you also know that you're going to learn from them and, you know, hopefully will come out successful on the other side, having created that life that you always imagined for yourself when you decided to become a speech pathologist, right? Lots of us go into this profession because we want that flexibility. We want, you know, a solid income. And then you might get into a setting and realize that you don't have that flexibility that you thought this profession would offer, or that you're not making the kind of income that you thought based on, you know, various circumstances in your life, right? So I think that taking back that control of your professional, your personal and your financial life is really, really important. And if you want to do that, I believe that the number one way to do that is through private practice. I love it. I do want to touch on one thing. You just brought something else up is asking for help. And I think that's, you know, obviously that's something I'm super passionate about. We both are and Jenna and I both, you know, we both invested in so many business programs and business coaches and group programs. And it's, it's, I can't emphasize enough how important that is. And, and I think what's so interesting is I get a lot of SLPs that come to me that say, I know that I feel stuck. I know that I'm passionate about doing more in this field, but I just don't know what it is. And I don't know, you know, I don't want to throw all this money away or I don't want to invest all this money if I don't know what it is that I'm actually looking for. And one of my biggest, another, you know, motto that I live by is action breeds clarity. And I think just taking a step forward, doing some things, reaching out to some people, hiring a coach, paying for mentorship, the stuff all evolves. But if you just sit there and tell yourself that it's not going to work out, it's not going to. But I guarantee the more that you invest in yourself and you surround yourself with people that have, have walked the walk and can help elevate you to this new career that you want to do, it's, you're, you're more than capable of doing it. Yeah. Some woo-woo shit I just said, but I believe it. So. No, absolutely. I think that it's to know, to have, have a plan and also to see what other people have done, right? Like we always talk about how we hate to reinvent the wheel and yet SLPs are really good at it. Yep. Yep. Like super duper good at it. So, all right. So I have a private practice roadmap that people might be interested in that goes through the five phases of starting a private practice. So you can get that over at startyourprivatepractice.com backslash freebie. So this is the free private practice roadmap. It's the same roadmap that I cover in my premium courses, and you can get it for free at startyourprivatepractice.com backslash freebie. Oh, you're wonderful. I don't have a freebie for anybody. Well, where can people learn more about you, Teresa? Oh gosh, I'm all over the internet. Okay, a few places. Mobile dysphagia diagnostics is my mobile fees website, but you can also inquire there if you're interested in starting a mobile fees company. And then I also, Swallow Your Pride podcast is where the podcast is, but I also have the MetaSLP Collective. You can go to metaslpcollective.com if you're interested in further mentorship and resources specific to medical SLP, because that's something that I am very passionate about too. Well, thank you everybody for listening. I'm glad that we got to kind of have this little jam session and third year doing the Swallow Your Pride podcast. It's coming up on a hundredth episode. I'm also also a type B SLP. So I don't always teach all of the 
specific numbers, but I do know I'm coming up on the 100th episode of the Private Practice Success Stories podcast. So if you're a podcast listener, which obviously you are because you're listening to this, make sure that you head over to iTunes and check out both Teresa and I's podcasts um, to learn more about all kinds of good stuff. Awesome. I love awesome. it. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. Thanks for listening, everybody. All right. To download the show notes from this episode, please visit swallowyourpridepodcast.com. There you can also sign up for our email so that you'll never miss another episode. If you like what you hear, then please subscribe, leave a review on iTunes, and share it on social media with your friends and colleagues, because that is what keeps these episodes coming. If you'd like to be a guest, share feedback, or request a topic to be discussed on the show, please email podcast at TeresaRichard.com. Special credit to Danny V. Socrates for her amazing audio and editing skills and to Marissa Hendrickson for managing all the things behind the scenes. As always, thanks so much for listening and see you next week.